as always, it is a, a privilege and a pleasure to be um, speaking with you today. Um, yeah, as Joel's mentioned earlier, a few notices that we've got the members meeting tonight at six, which will be on Facebook. Um, sort of the Josh and the rest of the leaders will be doing like a, a Zoom call that will be streamed to Facebook. So that would be interesting to see how that works. And just pray that that goes smoothly. Um, next week is the family service. So it's going to be online only, so don't come to the building because no one will be here. Um, you can sit in the car and watch it if you want, but um, no one's going to be in the building. Um, and then next week, Josh will uh, be speaking to us, uh, the week after that, sorry. Um, so today, we're continuing our new series in Philippians, and the title of this whole series is What Really Matters? Uh, and today's specific um, verse in Philippians is Philippians 2, 1 to 5. And the title uh, of this little uh, talk is United in Following. Just before I begin, uh, I know Josh has just prayed for me, but it's always good uh, to pray as much as you can. Um, so yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that you have given me to speak today. I just pray that uh, I glorify you in what I say, and that in whatever I say is from you. As Josh said, I pray I decrease and you increase in whatever I say, and I just pray for everyone here, that we all have ears to listen to you, um, and just really take in what you're saying to us today. I pray this in your mighty name. Amen. So I'm just going to begin by reading Philippians 2, verses 1 to 5, as we start our new chapter in Philippians. If you have any encouragement, courage being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Your attitude, attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. In previous weeks, in the first chapter, myself and Josh have talked about all the external factors that the, and persecutions that the church was facing in Philippi. So that's imprisonment, that's persecution, that's uh, execution. Paul was talking a lot about life and death and how, is, how the chains that we were in still advanced the gospel. Whereas today, Paul's Paul to talk about, about some of the internal, internal uh, factors, the internal issues that the church in Philippi was facing. Today, we're going to explain and explore the basis of unity that Paul gives us in this verse. We'll then look at how Paul mentions how to put it into prediction and build unity through, through the basis that he gives us. And then we'll look at the challenge that come come against community. And then finally, find impact what really matters really to help us be unified. So Philippians 2.1 reads... If you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Paul lays out in his first verse that the gifts that are needed from God to help unify us. I find it interesting that Paul writes, if, if, if there is any uh, encouragement from Christ, if there's any unity in Christ, if there's any comfort in his love, and if there's any common sharing in the Spirit, or if there's any tenderness and compassion. I think when he was saying if, 
he probably William was being quite um, sort of rhetoric with them. He knew that there is encouragement from God. He knew that there was unity in Christ. Um, he knew that they knew that this, but he was just making it clear to them. The Greek word that would have been used is similar to since. So since you are united with Christ, since comfort in his love, his love, since, since common sharing and sharing it, and there is tenderness and compassion. And these four points that he makes here help build the unity, help us build the base for unity. Firstly, Paul writes that there is, if there is an understanding that there is that encouragement from being united with Christ. At the Philippians 1, we saw Paul remind the challenge that they would suffer just as Christ did. He didn't sugarcoat it, he made it clear that clear death was an option for them. Um, that would have been quite, um, yeah, quite a discouragement to hear that following Christ could lead to your death. Um, but he was reminding them of the encouragement that we have in being united with Christ in times in suffering. In our deepest, darkest times, it's encouraging to know that we're we united with Christ during these times. It is scattered all through the scripture that God, that God leaves us, never abandons us, and is always with us. If we really start to unpack this unstoppable relationship with the Lord, that no matter how, how, uh, how far we are, how we are deep in the darkest valley we are in life, we are, or the high or the peak in our life, Christ is there and Christ is the same in good times and the bad. And the we could speak forever, forever amazing it is to be united with Christ, Christ uh, but there's uh, more to unpack the pack writes today. The second list that Paul brings us off is uh, how we are comforted by the love of Christ. Christ comforts us in a way, uh, uh, not just like a cuddle we see or a cuddle in bed where, where when we lie in it, we lie in it wax and we feel better, we feel better and that the troubles fade away. He does comfort us and that us. But I also feel that when we are comforted, when we are comfortable, we are, we are confident. And I find I am more, comfort, more, uh, more confident around the people that I am confident with friends and family than, with, than when I am with strangers. And that love of Christ comforts us uh, to be strong and to face all the tough, tough situations to help us to help us braver and stronger. And it fits in with the first verse as it reminds us that when we are with Christ there is encouragement and there is strengthening. Knowing that there's nothing we can do we stop Christ loving us, loving us gives me the confidence to face anything to any life. Next Paul talks about how we have the common sharing in the spring. And as my, my translation used for you of the spirit. God has given God has the same spirit in all spirits. He's given us the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, guide and to encourage us and to convict us. Knowing that we all have the spirit within us helps us to be unified. If it's a living part, living us, part of all believers, how then can we turn to our brother and sister and not encourage them, nor love them? Have the same spirit living within that we do. That we. It's encouraging to know that um, that when we have the spirit in us, we can be guided. Uh, we know that we're not alone. It's this whole feeling of being God with us. Finally, in the in the part of the first verse, first Paul adds how it, God has given us great tenderness, compassion, uh, and in some translations uses the word mercy. For me, this is one of the toughest ones to grasp, to really get hold, hold, hold of. Understanding God's grace and mercy is just beyond words. Beyond words. Um, a few of us uh, have been 
sort of reading this book. It's Learning to Love. And Ellen is Live and Love Like Jesus by Brandon Cook. Some of you have done the Bonhoeffer course or doing the Bonhoeffer course. Hopefully you will have read this. Um, uh, if I'm honest, I didn't read it the first time around. Time around. Uh, but I am now. I am. I am. And it's taken sort of a group on a Tuesday to say, finally, actually, finally get me committed to reading it. Um, so three of us, three of us on a Tuesday and we stay, go through section by section what God's been saying to us about that specific section. Uh, we do that every week. Uh, and we're finding it really encouraging, but also really challenging because God is, uh, what Brandon writes in here, God's using to really sort of challenge us and to err something among us. And one of the things he writes, he writes, really sort of stood out to me. He writes that grace is a scandal, an offence. Grace should make us feel incredible and uncomfortable. At points, it should frustrate us, as it rips my hands, understands of how we prove ourselves. And I think just understanding that that has proved pretty uh, difficult in a good way. It's created a lot of tension that has really helped us to understand what God's grace is. Uh, you know, we were trying to put into words just how amazing it is to have God's forgiveness. Um, that no matter how much we mess up, if we come to God with a, 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 a apology, a heart, then he forgives me. Uh, it was just sort of, sort of, the more you dive into it, the more it just sort of hurts your brain, at least from here it does. Um, and it just sort of frustrates you, as Brandon writes, because it's just like, this isn't fair, this isn't, this isn't right. Um, um, we've had this thing that we need to prove through God's love, or we need to earn God's love, but we don't. And that's the amazing thing about grace. So now we are reminded of what God has given us for unity uh, in the church. We have to ask the question of what we're going to do with it. We're very good at saying we want to do things, we want to be unified, we want to love more, but then do we actually go and do it? Uh, become very. This is speaking to my speaking of. We've become very confident. Very well saying, want to do these things, but things never do. Um, so that's my challenge to me as well. Is giving stuff from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge, heart knowledge um, which is a phrase you might have heard before, um, but it's still true. Uh, very good at knowing things, but it's not the best at living those things. Uh, one Peter one, four verses ten ten writes. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If God has given us uh, uh, gifts, has given us this place for unity, has given his, his unity with him, him, his love, given us his spirit, spirit given, us, given us his compassion and tenderness and mercy, mercy then we to use these gifts for us. We're not just a horse to ourselves. Uh, well, I was once part of a youth alpha. I heard a phrase or like a, a story about if you're all stranded in a desert and you find like a stream of fresh, uh, unending water, you wouldn't just keep it to yourself. If you're with other people, you would share it with others. Um, and that's what we are to do with God's, uh, God's love, God's freedom, free, uh, uh, the gifts that God gives us. So if we continue in today's passage in verse 2 in Philippians, Philippians we once again realise that these gifts uh, are not just uh, stationary gifts, but they are gifts that are meant to be used and active, and how they'll be shared to others. And Paul gives us an insight on how we are to build unity on the basis that he's already given us. Um, verse 2 uh, in Philippians reads, Then make, joy, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, 
by being like-minded, sorry, being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose. Firstly, it's worth noting that Paul begins the verse by saying, make my joy complete. He's saying, uh, I think him by, saying, by, by him saying that is reflecting the joy that God feels when he sees his church unified. And if the church in Philippi did, if they did things, he said he would um, then be unified and uh, give uh, joy. Uh, the joy and unity is something I'm sure Christ feels sees his church when, he sees, when God sees his children uh, not at war not at each other but, but in love with each other. I came to faith, faith uh, all those years ago uh, when I was 17. 17 um, um, I always found it strange how, how um, there was different denominations. I wasn't really well educated. Okay? That side of that is about why we had evangelicals, Anglicans, Baptists, Methodists, uh, Catholics. Uh, the list can go on and on, all sorts of denominations. I was never sure why, why that was a thing, if we all had the same Bible. Um, obviously, as I've discovered and studied theology, I learned the, the difference and nuances. But when I was younger, I was like, well, this doesn't make sense if we're all following the same. If we all believe Christ is Lord, um, and that he died and rose again. Um, and we used to do these uh, services in a local park where all the churches together in that area would come together and put on a service. We'd have a band made up of all different musicians from across the churches, uh, and we would just use it as a witness in the middle of the park. And I found that really, found that really I found it really, found it nice. I was like, oh, these churches are coming together and doing really powerful, powerful. Um, um, it shows that shows on the outside that's quite unified. Uh, and we used to do a music service in the evening as well, when you from across the city, city would come in sort of in neutral for church, and we would have a youth service, youth together, the youth for the youth, for the youth across the churches. Uh, and I found that really encouraging when that happened, because, and because it's just amazing to see all these different walks of life and different uh, sort of beliefs within the church come together and sort of put aside any different ideas and worship together. Um, and that always made me feel really encouraged. Um, and if we look at even more specific point, if we look at um, the church as a specific, say Bethel or some other church, um, if we see all the members uh, of a single church unified, unified behind, the, behind uh, the same vision, it's a powerful, powerful and joyous thing. If everyone's on the one page, if everyone's aiming at the same goal, um, um, it seems really powerful. Really, uh, but, uh, sadly, it's not always the case. Uh, but Paul suggests three things we can do proactive uh, to uh, unity. Firstly, Paul sleeps that we have to be like-minded. Being like-minded like isn't just being mindly mind sheep or robots following the words and direction of one person. Uh, as people will always disagree, people will always have different personal uh, convictions. Uh, it's about this, it's about the Bible, it's about being unified behind uh, this. Um, if we're all on the same page, literally, literally the same page, it's the page. Uh, unless you have a phone, with a phone um, the same screen, then, uh, then you know that's that's a really good starting point for unity. If we're all reading off the same book um, and whatever metaphors I can think of to do with sort of unity, um, and basing our lives off Bible, yeah, it's a good starting point. I don't think we can go too wrong if we're really reading the Bible prayerfully. Uh, with the guiding of the Spirit. Secondly, Paul writes about having the same love. Uh, this one seems quite simple. 
Uh, we are simply just to love each other. It's not rocket science, even though sometimes we, we make it rocket science. Um, we know it all, but in practice, it is sometimes the hardest thing to do. There are just some people who we don't get on with. There are some people that push our buttons, some people that get under our skin. Uh, they might not even do anything, just exist, and that annoys you. Um, but it's, it's good to admit to these things and not try and make it out that we, we love everyone, that we're perfect with it. Um, but they are our brother and sister. If they're a believer or not, we are still to love them. Um, it's okay to disagree, disagree with people. Uh, we don't have to be friends with everyone. When I did the Freedom in Christ course, um, whatever your views are on it, one of the things they, it taught me was that just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to uh, go back to the way things were with them. You can still lovingly sort of not be friends with them. If, uh, if I can put that into a better phrase. Uh, yeah, you just you don't hate them, but you, you love them, but you, just, you don't have to be in the same circles with them. But if we look past the flaws and differences of different people, uh, God, just like God looks past ours, that is a really powerful uh, way of overcoming it. One of the most uh, challenging things I had to do uh, once was uh, when I was speaking to someone about having a real issue with someone and really frustrated with someone, they told me actually just to pray for them and spend a good, not just a quick sort of uh, quick pray and then you're gone, uh, but it was a real heart, deep, uh, heartfelt prayer for them, for all their needs. And after I'd done that, I just couldn't possibly not love them. You know, if I just spent that time praying for them, I don't see how you could then, within the same breath, um, say bad things about them. Uh, for me, that was a really challenging but encouraging thing to do. And maybe if any of you are, when I mentioned people that get under your skin, had someone pop into your head, maybe just pray for them uh, and ask them what their needs are. And finally, uh, Paul writes that we are to be in one spirit and one mind. To be united together in following, uh, we need to be unified in spirit and mind. Unity isn't just through external and physical actions, it's deeper than that. One of the most, as I said, one the most powerful experience of forgiveness was when I prayed for that person who I wasn't particularly happy with. Um, but I believe prayer is at the heart of unity. And without, without it, we are destined to fail. If we're not praying for one another, if we're not praying for our church, then you know, unity isn't really going to happen. So that's just an encouragement there to pray for each other. Some of you might have heard of uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, uh, Life Together. He suggested that there are seven principles uh, for unity in the church. Um, and I'll quickly just uh, quickly read through them now. He says that uh, Christians are to do these following things to uh, promote unity. They are to hold their tongues, refusing to speak uncharitably about a Christian brother or sister. They are to cultivate the humility that comes from understanding that they, like Paul, are the greatest of sinners and can only live in this God's sight by his grace. Christians are to live, listen long and patiently so they understand their fellow Christians' need. Christians are to refuse to consider their time and calling so valuable that they cannot be interrupted to help with unexpected needs, no matter how small or menial. They are to bear the, bear the burden of their brothers and sisters in the Lord, both by preserving their freedom and by forgiving their sinful abuse of that freedom. They are to declare God's word to their fellow believers when they need to hear it, 
And finally, the one that I feel fits in with today's passage is that they are to understand that Christian authority is characterized by service and does not call attention to the person who performs the service. It's to understand that those who have some leadership or some responsibility in the church, that is, it's not that leadership or responsibility that defines them, um, but it's their service that does. So if we carry on in today's passage, Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4, which reads, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. There is, an always, there is always a temptation when we serve others to make it about ourselves uh, and to bring eyes on how holy we are, how amazing we are. Um, you know, if, if I'm being honest, it's something that we sometimes will do, maybe unintentionally, maybe in the back of their mind, there's always this little thought of, oh, this, if I tell people about this, they might think I'm doing really well, or they might think I'm uh, doing amazing. Um, I don't know if you've seen online all these videos that people make of themselves giving uh, food and money to strangers, um, which is good, but you can tell their, their aim behind it is to get influence and to make themselves look great. It's the things that people don't see which are important yeah, in loving others. Humility is so important um, in, pro in unity because pride is such a temptation to us as we all seek gratification from others. I believe it was Mike Pilavachi who said, if you can't serve at the back, then you can't lead at the front. If you're not willing to do all the hard graft behind the scenes, all the stuff that people don't know about and we'll never know about, then how can you be expected to lead at the front? How can you set that example to others if you're not willing to get stuck in? And as we saw in the verse in 1 Peter earlier, the gifts we have been given are there to encourage, to serve others, uh, and to share with them the love of God. They're not there to make us look amazing and holy. They're there to uh, encourage others. It is interesting that Paul warns against selfish ambition, not just ambition. Ambition isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, if your ambition is to be more like Christ, for example, or if your ambition is to pray more, if your ambition is to serve more, that's great. But if our ambitions are driven by greed, because you want to make more money or pride, you want to make yourself look good, then that's what gets in the way of unity. If we are too busy thinking about ourselves, then how can we be unified under the same vision? If we're all focused on being Christ-like and serving others, then that's where unity grows. And the problem with selfish ambition is that it will never leave us satisfied. Uh, just to mention this book again, uh, we're not being sponsored by it. Um, but uh, in it, it talks about paradigms that we have in life. So we have sort of the human paradigm, which is where if you do uh, this, 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 then you get to X. So if you work hard in school, then you work hard in university, you get a nice job, you get a family, you get kids, you retire, you get grandkids, and that's sort of how life would go if everything went to plan. Um, but the reality is that never happens. There's always, we never reach that end point. Uh, you may work hard at your job to get to a certain position, but once you get to that position, maybe you want another position. Uh, and the problem is we will never be satisfied. Um, and sometimes our relationship with God is like that. 
we feel that we have to do uh, like 100 hours of service each week just to get God's favour. Like I was talking about earlier, the, the grace of God, uh, we sometimes feel that we have to earn it, that we have to do all these things, but we don't. Uh, the paradigm in here, the Jesus paradigm, reminds us that God is already close with us, that he's already as close as he can be. When we accept uh, Christ into our lives, he's there. It's not like you have to go through certain stages. It's, you know, it's there, and it's just, yeah, it's just really countercultural because everywhere else, working hard is a good, it's a good value. It's not a bad thing to work hard. It's not a bad thing to have aims and visions and goals. But in our faith with the Lord, we have to be aware that it isn't about works, it isn't about service. Uh, we don't do good things to be saved, we do them because we're saved. Um, so that's what we've been sort of encouraged by as well, and challenging that vision of, you know, working hard to get to God when God's already there. Um, so I just wanted to share that with you. With you. Paul, when Paul writes that we are not to look at our, we are not to look at our own interests, but neglect the but to uh, focus on the interest of others. He isn't saying we should completely neglect our own needs. Serving others can be a very emotionally and physically draining thing. Some people might intentionally or unintentionally take advantage of our help. And if we're not taking the time to rest and spend time with the Lord, how can we be best to serve others? Sometimes it's okay to say no. I've learned that over the course of my degree that it is okay to say no. If you're doing, if you're working a full-time job and then you're at church every night, you're just going to burn out and you're just going to be no use to anyone when you're completely just done. Um, so it's okay to say no. It's okay sometimes to look at your own interests uh, and to rest. But we should never completely focus on ourselves. I believe it was C.S. Lewis, although there's some contention about this, who said, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's not putting ourselves down, it's not thinking we're rubbish, it's not thinking that we're no good, it's just not thinking about ourselves as much. Um, we're all God's masterpieces, we're all God's handiwork. Um, so we're, 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 we are gift blessed, we are um, made in the image of God, but it's not all about us. When Paul writes in humi humility, value others above yourself. He isn't saying others have more value and we don't. It's just saying that we sometimes have to focus on others uh, to promote unity. And as we get to our final verse in today's passage, verse five, it reads, your attitude should be the same of that of Christ Jesus. Now when Josh speaks in two weeks time here, carry on from this verse because it's a important verse in understanding what comes next, which is the, the values and characteristics of being Christ, what it means to have a Christ-like mindset. But in terms of unity, Paul emphasizes that in our relationship within the church and in our relationship with others, we are to have the same mindset of Christ. Ephesians 5:25 gives us some insight onto what that mindset might be. Which reads, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. If we have that same mindset with our church, that Christ loved the church, Christ loved, um, gave himself up for it. And when I say the church, I don't mean a specific building, I don't mean a specific denomination, uh, I don't mean a specific um, like, uh, brand of church, I just mean the people of God. Um, Christ loved uh, all the people of God um, so much that he gave himself up for it. Uh, all our brothers and sisters across the country, across the world, uh, we are to love them. It's really that simple. Yes, we may not like the gospel that they preach, or how they pray, or the songs they sing, or the way they dress, or the way they do church. Uh, but if they love and follow Christ, then we are to love them. Yet, yeah, more specific here in Bethel, we are to love each other, regardless of our own personal differences. If you prefer one style of worship and someone prefers a different one, love them like Christ did. Christ does. If you prefer 40-minute sermons or you prefer 20-minute ones, uh, or someone else prefers 20-minute ones, love them like Christ is. If someone dresses a different way to you and how you think someone should, love them like Christ does. If you view scripture with a different interpretation than what they have, love them like Christ does. Um, hopefully we get the bigger picture of things now and that actually love is important in unity. Um, it's about overlooking the differences that don't really matter. Um, so as we are in the section now, it's what really matters. When we're looking for Lippi through Philippians, that's the underlying message we're going to try and reach is what really matters. If someone loves the Message Bible and you love the NIV, love them like Christ does. I'm sure I could mention lots of things that you people difference on, have differences on, um, but if we love them, then uh, that promotes unity. It seems obvious, but like I said earlier, we may know this, we may know, we may know that we have to love people, but do we do it? Um, you know, as I'm being honest, I don't always love people the best I should. I'm sure a lot of people in here would say the same. Uh, and last time I spoke, I spoke from a passage in Philippians. Uh, Philippians 1, verses 15 to 18, which reads, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The most important thing is that in every way, whether false motives or true, Christ is preached. And, I would, and because of this, I rejoice. Paul makes it clear here what is really important, what really matters. Yes, people may have different intentions and different ways of doing things, but if Christ is at the center um, and Christ is being proclaimed and shared, then that's, um, that's the basis for unity. That's what unifies us all. Yes, people will naturally get on our nerves. Yes, we will have to constantly battle the temptation to be boastful and prideful. But if we aim to have a Christ-like mindset, that's what really matters. If I could leave you with a challenge for the coming week, it's this. Uh, and this challenge goes for me as well. If we pray over the coming days, uh, pray a dangerous prayer, that good God would highlight the pride in our lives, that he would highlight the ways in which we're stopping unity, the ways in which we're not being unified.
And if we ask him for opportunities to show us, to be, uh, show us, show us humility, if we pray for these things daily, uh, I believe the Lord will show us. It may be painful uh, what he uncovers in our lives. Sometimes the things we don't realize we're doing are the ones that we need the most help with. But having a Christ-like mindset is key for us becoming unified and united in our following. And it will give, joy the, it will give God the joy that Paul expressed at the beginning of today's passage. Amen. I just pray now uh, as the band comes up. Yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us uh, the church, that you love the church, that you love everyone in it, you love everyone who's a part of it, Lord. I just pray for those people in our lives who um, we don't get on with, who we're not unified with. I pray that you would help us to show them love. I just pray for the, the things in our lives that are stopping us from being unified, the things that don't really matter, but we're making them matter, whether that's such trivial things as the songs we sing or the, the, the version of the Bible that we use, Lord. Help us to realize that what really matters is you. Uh, help us to understand that's what unifies us all. This all common factor is that you have, we have your spirit living within us. So I just pray in these coming days and coming weeks that you help us to show love to others. You help us to be humble, Lord. You help us never to make it all about us, but help us to make it all about you, Lord. Yeah, I just pray now that in our daily lives that you would increase and that we would decrease, that you would give us opportunities to serve others and to worship you. I pray this in your mighty name. Amen.